Up next is the Daily Devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Verse 21, For behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. A son of man indeed goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man through whom he is betrayed. They began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Now this would be a shocking revelation, and it certainly would have put a damper on that party. What an amazing thing here is in that Jesus knew all the time that Judas would betray him, and yet he even still showed the same love towards him as he did the others, those who would ultimately die for their allegiance to him. Anyone who is in a shepherd position will know such a rejection at some point in his or her ministry. Even the great shepherd knew this kind of pain. What is very interesting about the situation was that suddenly they all were concerned that they were the one who would fail the Lord. It seems the faithful, well, the faithful never forget that they have a wicked heart. They knew their capacity to sin. Do we? I wonder if Judas joined in on this self-evaluation. Because I doubt it. And certainly not with any genuine heart. In reality, wolves will often shout hallelujah and raise their hands in praise with all the rest, right up until the time they turn on their shepherd. Yet Jesus did not stop loving him. He said in John 2:25 that he himself knew what was in man. Judas may not have loved Jesus, but Jesus went to the cross even for guys just like him. He died there for guys just like Judas. Verse 24 says, A dispute also arose among them which of them was considered to be the greatest. Ah, such is the heart of man. We can be so aloof to what is truly important. Jesus was approaching his crucifixion, his day of destiny, and the apostles were still debating their very own importance. Like so many of us, they were still stuck in the now, still living for the present immediate world. They had just shared a significant moment of unity and communion at the Last Supper as Christ gave of himself in a profound event in history, and still the boys didn't get it. They, and so often we, just couldn't connect the present with the eternal. Verse 25, He said to them, The kings of the nations lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the one who is greater among you, let him be as the younger, the one who is governing as one who serves. For who is greater, one who sits at the table or one who serves? Isn't he who sits at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. It seems Jesus clearly knew what it meant to be a servant. After all, he had lived it. Men seek position and power because they have none, but Jesus, he actually had both, and he still took the low road of humility. He could have reigned as a king, but instead he served as a bond slave 
a voluntary servanthood to men. This is such a simple concept, but a critical element of our faith that gets lost so often in the muddle of modern religion. We push and we pull and we struggle to be something when we should be taking the lower seat. Note in the last phrase in verse 27, he says, but I am among you as one who serves. In this is the key to being greatly used by God. But that is only if it's what we're truly seeking. But if we are seeking position instead of service, we'll never know all of Christ and we'll never be at rest in what God has called us to. Verse 28 of our text says, But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. I confer on you a kingdom, even as my Father conferred on me, that you may know, excuse me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. You will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Even though these men had fallen short of their high standard uh, of their calling, Christ would still place his anointing upon them for what lay ahead. Certainly, while we never want to run to the end of our grace, it is good to know that God is faithful even when we are not. The reality is that our Lord chooses to operate with imperfect men. They would be judged here, not by the shortcomings on their journey, but rather on how they would finish the race. Paul knew this truth. He wrote about it in his first letter to the church in Corinth saying, don't you know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize? Run like that so that you may win. Every man who strives in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore run like that, not aimlessly. I fight like that, not beating the air, but I beat my body and bring it into submission, lest by any means, after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. History tells us that in the years that followed the events that are recorded here, that all but the Apostle John went to their deaths as martyrs for the faith. And even John lived, despite only by the best efforts of the enemies of Christ to put an end to him. Not one of these men ever recounted under the pressure. Not one backed away from the truth. Every one of them finished well, even when that meant death. Hmm, finished well? Even the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians desired to not be disqualified. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, For I am already being offered, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. From now on the crown of righteousness is stored up for me which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan asked to have all of you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you, that your faith wouldn't fall, fail. You, when once you have turned again, establish your brothers. 
It seems the journey ahead would not be an easy one, and it would not be without stumbles and failures. Peter, he would be the first to go down. While he and we might stand in condemnation of Judas's betrayal, Jesus was ready to show the potential of such in all of us. Despite the clear warnings from Christ himself, Peter would still fall. And despite his clear warnings to us also today, we still arrogantly attempt to prove him wrong. Now so many of us carry the scars to remind us. It is interesting too that Satan can do nothing without God's clearance. One can naturally ask then, why would God allow Satan to sift us? Because you see, evil exists in the world at the request of men, and true love, well that requires free will and choice. Satan longs to prove that we are not for real and that our faith is weak and that with a little pressure, well, we'll fold too. Verse 33 says, And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Like Peter, I have seen so many folks who have vowed loyalty to Christ, loyalty to their faith, and even loyalty to their family, only to then subsequently watch them actually deny Christ, deny their faith, and deny their church. They said they loved the Lord. They sang praises to Him. They served Him. And ultimately, they denied Him. I have also heard many expressions of love and loyalty as a pastor. I baptized them, I dedicated their children, I prayed for them, I served them faithfully, and I've had them ultimately deny me also. It is the burden of all of those who stand in the role of under-shepherd. Such puts pastors in the unique position to seek the stark reality of men's hearts and to feel just a little of the pain that Jesus suffered while loving those under his care. Any minister worth his salt will know a Judas in his midst. Perhaps, ultimately, that's a good thing because Jesus, he understood the heart of man and pastors we need to also. John 2.25, and because he didn't need for anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. In verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter the rooster will by no means crow today until you deny that you know me three times. Again, it is amazing that even though Christ knew Peter was going to fail, he chose him anyway. Our downfall comes when we start to think we're stronger than we are. When we think ourselves spiritually buff, we are then primed for the crowing of the rooster. It's bad enough to actually fail the Lord. Oh, but Peter, Peter, three times? You see, Peter would not just stumble. He would indeed take a dive. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Tim Dodson and Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com. Mm-hmm.